be on the dugout. Lace them up and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Put you on the mound like you don't wanna face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases. Do it for your teammates, do it for the fan. Do it for your city, true ballers understand. You gotta work together, you gotta find a way. Put your body on the line and make that play. Be on the dugout. Lace them up and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Put you on the mound like you don't wanna face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Well, well, Kyoto Kanichiwa and Ciao Bella to all our viewers in uh, Beyond the Dugout land out there. Welcome to episode 15, 23rd of July here, drive time. I'm Jason Goobies, aka Chopper, and it's the ever bull. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the other bulls. I know white man. He is the man, the bull himself. It's Damien Collins. <laughs> Appreciate the love, Chopper. Kia ora, everyone. Konnichiwa. Ciao, Bella. Ciao, Bella. Yeah, that's the, just the woman, isn't it? Yeah, fantastic, okay. man. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, we've got some Italian ladies coming on to the uh, we podcast sure tonight, so really looking forward to that. We'll get to that in a bit. But Good to see the special guests on the couch. It is indeed. Before we get into the episode here, Jacko, it's school holidays, mate. What are you doing in Wellington? Nothing, really. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So... Fun stuff. Are you talking about fun stuff? How's your girlfriend? I don't have one, sorry. Ah, not giving up any info. Not one. How many you got, Jacko? He's trying to count them. Do you need to get your hands out of your pocket so you can use your fingers? Nah. He does have a new line. What oh, does he? What's the What's the uh, line, Jacko? Dad taught you. What dad taught you? Oh, okay. It's not going to work. How no, you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, your dad taught you that, did he? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it sounds familiar, Chop. Yes, I've never heard that, that before. Joey, he actually showed him the video of Joey too. So, does it work? No. <laughs> Sweet ass, right. Probably back in the early 2000s, it would have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jacko, can we get to the episode now? Yeah. What would you like to say to Ron? Uh, nothing. Oh, actually. Yeah. Kia ora whanau. <laughs> Another day in paradise. Cheehoo! <laughs> Love Kaki it. Te. Oh, there you, there you go. Kaki there. Jackson, you can go to bed now because it's past your bedtime. And uh, if you behave well enough, you might let him just come down for another school holidays. Yeah, well, he's always welcome here. You know this. <laughs> uh, boy, oh boy, man. The Olympics starting, of course. We started last week with Mark Porteous uh, in the house. Uh, dude, how proud is it to see Mark travelling over there and getting his first two allocations on day one of the Olympics? Yeah, very, very, very cool. Um, as I as I mentioned at the end of the podcast, it was it was a little bit um, it was great getting to know Mark. Of course, I get to listen to the podcast a bit more while I'm doing the editing and stuff. But um, one thing that people really don't see in the in, in the podcast is, is the visuals. And Mark, he had that massive spot a smile with pride, talking about his beginnings, talking about his preparation, his road to Tokyo, and it was just yeah, it was just awesome to be, um, be a part of that and and share Mark's story. Mark said to us, so Porty said to us that um, uh, he would think he'd get one allocation a day uh, with only three matches. Well, he got two on day one. He got the, uh, um, call it the off-field uh, umpire uh, that does the lineups in, in game one that mm. was uh, of Australia and Japan. Of and then he got third base uh, in the uh, in the late game, the um, Canada-Mexico. So awesome to him. And, and uh, obviously, you continue, can't wait for him to get a plate uh, so we can hear that. Absolutely. Ooh. 
and the heart. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, and now it's sunny out there. Remember the first photo that he posted was in, in front of that sign. So hopefully on those off days, he can get some sun on those pins. No jokes, mate. Those legs are glowing. I uh, know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're on the Olympics, man, uh, obviously softball kicks off uh, the 2020 edition of uh, this 32 Olympiad. And yes. boy, boy, what a kickoff it was. We always knew that first game up, we had uh, a couple of our um, Beyond the Dugout guests, yeah. Stacey Porter and Taylor Tits. Cronus uh, featuring for Australia taking on Olympic champions uh, in Japan. Yeah, and they and they and they they definitely stamp their mark the the Japanese um, on that game uh, early. Um, you know, you get the best pitcher in the world on, on the mound. Um, to, a bit of a rocky start, but yeah. you know, coming through and um, mate, just too good. Well, that, you're, you're dead right, Damien. I watched that game uh, as much as I could because it was during the day while we were working. But however. Um, yeah, Yukiko Ueno, who's now beyond the dugout all, all-star women's team sure is. Uh, as one of the pitchers. She did have a rocky start. She had two walks, two hit batters, leaked a run uh, across in the top of the first innings because of it. Can't help but feel, though, that Australia didn't capitalise. There were loaded bases there with only one out, and they needed to punch in more runs to really put some pressure on Japan. Because as we know, further into the game, Japan just kept on itching runs on, yeah. and then terminated that one eight to one early in five innings. Yeah, no, you, you can't you can't give them anything there because they'll just stamp, and especially once they find that rhythm uh, as those later innings uh, go on in a game. Yeah, you just can't give them anything. One thing I've always liked about the Japanese side, apart from respect, I love the respect they have for the game and and the officials and the opposition, both in men and women's uh, softball, uh, but is you don't have to be six feet tall and a mammoth to be an elite sports person. You know, the Japanese stature is not that that tall, right? But they have worked out a way to become powerful. And in that match, we saw that three home runs from Japan, the smallest athletes that are in attendance here uh, at the Olympics, yet with the most power so far. Absolutely. I mean, uh, who did we have on a few weeks ago? Or was it uh, five foot four or something? Well, yeah, you're right. I think she's like five foot two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, we're going to get to that. Um, uh, Hayley McClenney. Yeah, of course. Uh, for USA, lead off, the lead for off. US. She did well, too, for so, USA. Uh, they had a slow start in their yeah. game, too. Didn't score any runs in the first uh, few innings. Hayley did go one from two of the day, also with a walk. Um, and then they did close it out uh, in the end, USA, in that match against Italy. Got to say, though, man, on Italy's side, they have got to be stoked with that, only going down two runs to nil against arguably the best side there. Oh, yeah. They, um, it was, it was, you know, we talk about um, Mark on there and Stacey and, and Taylor. Like, it's, it's, I've been filled with pride on, pride on day one, you know, all these um, previous guests or they're in the all-world team or anything. So, yeah, no special interest, not only for softball, but yeah, just have that pride that we've got that link to with Beyond the Dugout as well. Yeah, well, it was. I mean, if you take the Australian team, we had the number four and five hitters in the lineup. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Stacey Porter and Taylor Titsacronis. And then you go to uh, USA, we had the leadoff oh, hitter. 40 off the field in the first game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we had obviously McClenney, uh, mm-hmm. the leadoff hitter for, for USA. And then if you flip Today's, over yes. to Italy uh, against them, we had Andrea Howard, she was lead off, and then Erica Piancastelli was the cleanup hitter. So exactly. yeah, we, not only did we get some great athletes, we got these star athletes from from each team. So that that was pretty cool. And it's made it more interesting, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, we caught up with these um the two lovely ladies 
a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find out what time we did this uh, during the during yeah. the interview. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was it was awesome to get to know them and, and spend a couple of hours um, on Zoom with them the the other day, and then um, yeah, go get out to watch them watch them play as well. Like you know. Your mates are playing in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive indeed. Got to say, the last match on day one was Canada-Mexico. Mm. Canada and Mexico are really on a par with each other. But you know what? In that game, not so. Canada really put some work in. They were the better team from the woe to the go and deservedly 4-0 winners. The other catalyst that, that win, I thought, um, apart from Jen Selling, just a beast at the plate for, for Canada, was they used um, a whole myriad of pitches in the game. So they've definitely got a strategy of not really letting the opposition see the same pitcher twice. Yeah, stamp the stamp that mark earlier. This is our Arsenal, and we've only we're only showing you a little bit of it. No, it was it was um, cool to, and we got to sit down and, and watch that with uh, you know kind of celebrate your yeah. girl's birthday as well, and and get to la- uh, listen to Lance uh, do his Canadian broadcast yeah, as well. Lance win, yeah, and um, yeah, no. So um, Mel, Mel made a birthday cake. She did. She sure did. Yeah, um, it was chocolate heaven. <laughs> sure was. Uh, so no, it was all around good softball to watch and good people to watch it with. Yeah, indeed. And listen to. Um, the uh, obviously we're doing this one day ahead. So the match tonight, which is last night, yeah. is Italy Australia. I I think the winner of that game will be the contender for the bronze medal. Looks like it might be Canada, but it's way too early to call right now. Um, so it's a real important match, Italy Australia, uh, coming up Thursday night. So the last night, as far as this podcast timing is concerned, I. Uh, I don't want to make a pick on it because uh, yeah. um, I am. Picks I, don't work on this uh, podcast, mate. They don't work. <laughs> I'm rooting for Australia, uh, but after, of course, tonight's episode with Italy, I uh, kind of got a soft spot for them as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely did watching them yesterday. Um, I, you know, it's anything can happen at the Olympics eh, on any given day, but it's on who turns up. And I'm sure each of those teams after day one have gone back, watched some tape on the others, um, and they'll be scouting them uh, big time leading up to the first ball being pitched on day two. Yeah, you did right, bud. Now, I talk about um, giving some love to the Australians. Well, of course, then I've got to flip it around because our first Olympic team for New Zealand got underway um, on Wednesday night uh, in the Soccer Ferns, and they did take on Australia. Australia got us, unfortunately. They scored the first two goals against us. However, on debut, the young girl from Christchurch, Gabby Rennie, scores her first Goal for New Zealand in extra time. So the score's respectable 2-1. We go down, but at least the Silver Ferns got on the board. Olympic moments. Yeah. That's what's your takeaway. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I love my football. Yeah, interesting with her too. She's currently in university in the States uh, at Indiana. Um, and so learning her trade over there on a, on a university scholarship, just like our young softballers. So do. many pathways for our young woman to grab at, at um, in America, right? Eh? Yeah. Football is a massive sport over there. You wouldn't think it, but it is a massive game over in the States. And if that's another pathway, then take it. <laughs> Just because the Olympics is going to be so big over the next couple of weeks, I guess we'll, tr- we'll wrap up the local stuff, but you know, try not to be too long on it for you guys so we can get to the episode. Uh, but I guess we can't go past Suns not in four. Well, yeah, Suns not in four, but Giannis, mate, he put on a 50-piece in game six to... to not only secure that game, uh, that that fourth win, but the MVP title. He's um, 
he's an outstanding young man and I like a bit jelly of him over the last few years getting some awards that I don't know if he should have got but uh, 26 years old to have all this accomplishments and still be a pretty decent human being uh, he went through a drive through this morning with the with the Larry O'Brien and he asked for a 50 piece uh, nuggets he didn't want 49 didn't want 51 Wanted fifty piece. So. <laughs> Fair play to him. Oh, that's crack up. Yeah, I'm going to miss my NBA, and yeah. and after this week, I'm going to miss my NBA as well. Yeah, well, let's like, let's go straight to that, buddy. Uh, the local national league for for basketball all comes to the pointy end yes. over the next oh, tonight and tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah, we do, we doing this the day before because yeah. we're going to get busy over the next day, couple of days. But uh, yeah, Thursday, Friday is um, the final four tonight. Uh, Thursday is um, my Saints taking on the Huskies and then the Sharks are taking on the Hawks. Let's just clarify that that's Wellington v. Auckland. Yeah, Wellington v. Do Auckland. We put a, do 04 we, versus 09. Do we put a bet on this? Sure, go on. <laughs> Considering you've been running the table on everyone, I must get a point start. Oh, you want you want to... Okay, what's yeah. your spread? Um, okay, let's say... Because, cause, you know, the result could be the result, right? So we're not going sure. on the result, we're going on the score. Uh-huh. Okay, how about I get 10, 15 points? You want 15? Yeah. All right, I'll give you 15. 15 it is. All right, cool. Are we putting a dinner on it? <laughs> sure. Considering you guys let me make me dinner on Yeah, I was podcast, just about to say right? that. Have you? <laughs> I said I said to Chop the other night, he was, uh, we were getting getting organized for the podcast. So, bro, you're on dinner. And he was like, ah, oh, I'll see you at 10. So we'll sort of sort of <laughs> dinner. Okay, let's go. All right. So fifteen is it? Fifteen for 15. the Huskies. Get a start. The points. Okay, I'm pretty sure we beat them by seventeen last weekend. But yeah. um, okay, yeah, yep. beat no, a lot of teams by a lot of points too. Yeah, well, the two teams that we haven't been um, and and that was at their home is the Sharks and um, Hawks. So I'm glad they're in the other semi. Yeah. Um, like I'm confident our boys will will go up against the Huskies. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, any given day. Uh, Mate, we we've been there before, but we've lost before as well when we should have won. So, who knows? You have to be unbiased. You're working for base us. I know. I'm working for basketball New Zealand this Not weekend. Not the Saints. This no. Week. So we probably um, have a blue top underneath everything. Yeah, I'm wearing my blue kicks as well. Definitely. <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, I've I've been asked, but I, I've I'm a fan number one, mate. So if they I, they want me to bring the hype for every single player that's on that court, let's go, Damien. Uh, the grand final is tonight, Friday night. Uh, yes. What time is that and whereabouts? Uh Praha Arena, Poriro. Mm-hmm. Uh, be live on Sky Sports, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, has been every game this year. Thank you, Sky Sports. Tip off? Uh, 7.30, tip off tomorrow. I'll just uh, clarify my run sheet. I'm pretty sure it's 7.30. It has been 7.30 the whole season. Nope. 8 p.m. 8 p.m., perfect. 8 PM. So, but if you want to get there for the big... Introductions. <laughs> That's if they let me do them like I normally do. Yeah. But yeah, I've uh, I definitely pride myself on the big intro. Okay, so get there at least fifteen minutes before the match, yeah, right? Twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Get there at seven thirty. Get a beer. Settle on into your seat exactly. and then enjoy the action. Okay, fantastic. yeah, it's a, it's a, going to be a bit different in Porirua. There's two thousand less seats oh. than we're used to, so. Uh, we'll have fun with it. Sounds, sure. sounds good. Uh, our Warriors won't touch on them too much. Uh, they have um, the South Sydney Rabbitohs come Saturday, 5pm. Wish them the best of luck with that. Always. Let's go on. Yeah, cool. Uh, other Olympic watchouts, though, to come. Uh, yes. uh, Kiwi-wise, um, we've got a lot of events coming up uh, throughout every day. I tell you the best thing to do. If you want to follow the Olympics, download the, uh, the app uh, for it, and it's simply called... NZ team 
Um, and if you down that, download that app, it's got all of the events, all of the athletes, and all the information you could possibly want. Of course, some of the big ones we'll be looking forward to will be um, uh, Lisa Carrington. She doesn't start for another week or so. Yep. Uh, and then Valerie Adams, she's like a week as well. They're towards the back end of the competition and Walsh. Um, but there are some good stuff coming over the over the next few days. Looking forward to the sevens uh, yeah, rugby. Mate. Means and oh my god, uh, I got Walsh's shot put on my hand. You sure do. How can you throw this at you? I can't even get it off my. <laughs> Does it have the weight on it? Yeah, it's like three hundred kgs. <laughs> yeah, so that's what that guy just chucks around just normally. Cool shot, Tom. Tom Walsh, bloody good paperweight that one. Love you, long time. Oh, personal best twenty two sixty seven meters. Twenty two point six seven meters. Personal best. Got the shot put right here. <laughs> so hopefully, be a good good one between him and Jack O'Goo, actually. I owe everything my career to Damien Collins. What? Yeah, yeah I wrote that. Oh, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oh, there you go. Yep, j- jump onto that app, NZ Team, and you can find out all the information. If you want to follow the softball specifically, because obviously New Zealand, unfortunately, is not didn't qualify. Australia mm. got the berth. You want to follow them, go to wbsc.org. And on that website, you'll find the tournament page, all the statistics, all the matches. And, of course, Sky Sport has all of your coverage live or delayed uh, f- um, that you can watch at any time as, yeah. as well. So thank you to Sky. Thank you, Sky Sports, for, for sure. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Excellent. Excellent. All right, buddy. Well, let's uh, let's get on to it. We, as we've alluded to a little bit um, today already, we have got – Two superstars for Italy in tonight's uh, podcast. Um, and their leadoff hitter, Andrea Howard, uh, coming out of New Mexico University. And she's, uh, I think, painting left field for them uh, this year, outfield anyway. And their captain, who is a superstar mm. when it comes to uh, women's softball. Oh my God, Erica Piancastelli. Yeah, she's uh, they're both very very cool. We we loved our chat the other, other nights, um, night morning, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, no, it's, it was really cool, really cool to sit down and get to know them. It was cool to watch them in their first game, and um, looking forward to everyone um, listening to this one because just genuine people that are driven, and you'll hear their stories of, and they're two very different um, pathways. Um, one, you know, followed follow a brother that played baseball, and one followed a mother that was an Olympian softballer. So um, there's a, a lot of special things in this one. So looking forward to people hearing it. The real cool thing about this is so close to the action. One yeah. day before their opening match against USA, yes, and we got them for a couple of hours. It was midnight our time <laughs> when we started it. Uh, finished at two a.m. They said, "Boys, you can go to bed now." I'm like, oh, thanks," <laughs> but they were just a blast to talk to. And real two cool people. Yeah, very cool. Humble, fun. I love the story behind their team. You're going to find out there's some real interesting facts, what makes them bind so much, and also a tragic story, especially in regard, regards to their coaching staff. Yeah, yeah, very tragic. Um, and you definitely um, – we saw the story being told, and, and but you'll hear it. I heard it when I was editing it, and, uh, yeah, brought it to to my So, um, you know, it's got a bit of everything in, in this one. Um, so, yeah, it's a special one. Strap yourselves in, this one's going to be a beauty. Let's go. Azzurri, it is Team Italy. 
that'll be in the 2020 Summer Game Olympics in Tokyo. They have made it to the big show and we've got two of their biggest superstars with us here at Beyond the Dugout. It is Andrea Howard, the outfitter, and Erica Biancastelli that join us here on Beyond the Dugout. Welcome, ladies, to Beyond the Dugout. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for taking the time coming in live from Japan. You ladies have been there for a week now, right? Correct. How's the weather? I hear it's hot. It's hot. Um, it's about 30 degrees Celsius, but the humidity is above 90 every single day. Oh, so that means you guys are ready to go, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we fair. don't even need a warm up already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, fantastic. Well, look, one of the traditions in New Zealand is to ask you your genealogy. So, Norhir Queer, what is your genealogy and where are you from? So, I'm guessing my genealogy would be Italian, right? Yes. Correct? Okay. <laughs> oh, so, Italian, and I am from Modena, Italy, which is in the middle, pretty much the middle part of Italy. Oh, fantastic. Andrea? Um, my genealogy. So I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico in the United States. Um, I have Italian heritage from my mother. Um, she was born and raised in Pordenone, Italy, which is like Northeast Italy. Oh, fantastic. Well, welcome ladies. And thank you for taking the time and your busy schedule. Only days away from the opening match, uh, at the Olympics. How's the nerves? Um, it's exciting. Uh, we have, we've been in our bubble, so we haven't really been, um, next to a lot of athletes or seen a lot of athletes yet. Um, but we've just been doing our own thing right now. We're super excited to be able to start playing soon. Um, tomorrow we head to Fukushima, so it's probably going to feel a lot more real. Um, but yeah, we start in two days and we couldn't be more excited. Ah, fantastic. Well, let's start from the beginning, uh, for you girls. Where did softball start and what did softball look like? So um, I started playing at the age of seven, and when I started playing, my family had already um, relocated to Carlsbad, California. So I started playing in America at the age of seven, and I mainly started playing because I've always seen my mom play. My mom played on the Italian national team. Um, she went to the Olympics in 2000, so softball's always been in our family. My dad played baseball in Italy, so... It was bound to happen. It wasn't softball wasn't my first sport, but I knew that at some point I was going to start practicing. Um, the moment I started playing at the age of seven, I fell in love, and I just wanted to start playing competitively right away. Um, at the age of twelve, I started travel ball, and then that's when I got my college scholarship for McNeese, and then just kept at it. I joined the national team in two thousand fifteen, and then it's been um, national team ever since. Wow. When you talk about travel at the age of 12, what is, what is that and what does that involve? So travel ball in the States is when you pretty much find a club team that is at a higher level and all this club team really focuses on is tournaments. Every weekend you travel all over the U.S. to play tournaments, high-level tournaments, where college coaches will come watch you play. Um, and so at the age of 12, you're already playing at a high level. You're practicing three, four times a week, and you're just traveling to go um, to the best tournaments that there are, especially in the summer. Um, at the age of, I want to say 16, so going into my junior year of high school, I was at a very well-known um, tournament that happens every summer in Colorado called the Sparklers Tournament. Yes. And that's uh, when the McNeese head coach was there, and that's when he saw me and um, offered me my scholarship to McNeese. But with travel ball and these tournaments, 
right before the tournament, there's also a camp that they do probably the day before the tournament where all the college coaches that are attending that tournament will be at this camp pretty much watching you um, more individually. And so travel ball is just kind of like the next step. Like if you want to be able to keep playing softball and you want to play at the high level, travel ball is usually where you start. You started that travel ball at 12. When do you finish travel ball? So travel ball finishes um, – you keep playing while you're in high school as well. So you'll all, you'll do a travel ball season and then you'll go into your high school season. And the moment you find, I want to say when you find a college, when you commit to a college um, is kind of when you maybe you keep playing travel ball, but you don't have to be so involved in the tournaments just because you've already found your school. But once you graduate high school, you're done with travel ball as well. And then that's when you just focus on college. So talking about focusing, you remember you started this when you were 12. What type of softball regime do you have, like trainings or is there extra things that you're doing, gym? or, or What does it look like for age of 12 through to that 15, 16? Well, right now, from when I started playing right now, it's a lot different. It's way more competitive now. At the age of 12, when I was still playing, um, it was still very laid back. I mean, yes, we were still 12 years old, so we didn't. they didn't push us too hard. They, right. they still wanted to enjoy the game. Um, but every weekend, I had a tournament. Every weekend, I was traveling. My parents were driving me everywhere. Um, I had to skip out on a lot of high school events and a lot of dances. And um, my summer was jam-packed from the moment I finished school to the moment I start school. Um, so like we didn't really have um, training. I think we just played. Um, we, we would go to practice during the week and play a lot of games, five, six, seven games a weekend. Um, and that's it. We didn't, I didn't really start adding training into my resume um, until maybe high school, just okay. because high school kind of brought it back into it, um, into my routine. And then they used that to set me up for college as well. Fantastic. And Andrea, where did softball start for you? Yeah, so I think I was in third grade, so I was like seven or eight years old, um, and I have an older brother, and I always watched him play baseball, um, and, I'm, and I'm kind of a competitive person naturally, so I always wanted to beat him at something, because he was always <laughs> better than me, um, so that's when I decided to go into softball, and ever since I was seven or eight, I kept playing. Um, I also played volleyball when I was in middle school to high school. I played that, so like two to three months out of the year, I would play volleyball, um, but for, for most of my life, it was softball. Um, when I got into high school, that's exactly when, what Etika was saying, you know, you do travel ball, you do all that kind of stuff. Um, it was also my junior year when I, when I committed to the university of New Mexico and then it was the, it was in 2017. So after I graduated high school, that summer going into college is when I first joined, um, um, the Italian national softball team. But yeah, I was about seven or eight years old when I started. Wow, it's it's an early. I mean, same in New Zealand. Softball started at, a, at an early age, um, but but I think the major difference between New Zealand and, of course, the United States is just the sheer numbers of athletes playing the game. And you know, like when you would go to the to the field to play in your competitions, albeit it doesn't have to be when you're seven years old, but as you're growing up, up till twelve, you know, maybe leading into travel ball, you know, are the fields packed? What what does it look like? Yeah, so for me, being from New Mexico is actually a little bit different because softball is not that big in New Mexico, um, but our neighbor states, so, you know, Texas, Arizona, California, softball's 
you know, a much bigger deal there. So for New Mexico girls, in order to, to play elite competition, we always have to go, you know, out of our state to, to play Arizona, California, things like that. So once we get out of our state, that's when things start getting like a lot more fun and a lot more competitive. Um, and, and it's cool to see, to see how many girls are actually, you know, out at the field and, and trying to, you know, get a scholarship and trying to play at another level. But, but yeah, it gets, it gets a lot more competitive when you go out of New Mexico. Andrea, you mentioned your brother playing baseball. Did any of your other family members, parents, aunties, uncles, were they involved with baseball or softball uh, while you were growing up? Um, not really, not really. My dad in, in high school, you know, he played football and baseball, um, but he, he didn't play too much after high school. Um, I'm, I'm very thankful for my dad, though, because he's he's an engineer, so he, he understood the physics behind, you know, the swings of baseball and softball. Um, so he was he was my first coach, and he was my brother's first coach. So he kind of helped us figure out how to play the sport and, you know, how to do it well. Um, but, yeah, it was it was mostly just me and my brother. I have a sister, but she's, she's not that athletic. <laughs> she's more artistic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. <The> creative one. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about genealogy, um, Erica, you mentioned uh, earlier that your mother played um, for Italy at the Sydney 2000 Olympics. What has it been like growing up having her experience to draw on? It's been amazing. It's a very special bond that I have with my mom. Um, I've just always, I always remember when I was younger being in the house and seeing all my mom's pictures and my mom's jerseys and all her signed balls and every little place that she went to with the national team, I always saw that around the house. So it was super normal for me. Um, but it didn't really click that she was an Olympian until I started to also want to be um, an Olympian and start um, thinking about the Olympics and wanting to, to reach that same level. And uh, when they announced that softball was back in the Olympics, that's when I, I looked at my mom. I was like, okay, tell me everything. <laughs> uh, tell me how what your experience was, your training. Um, and so it's been nice to be able to have her in my corner and, and to understand that what I'm going through is what she went through and she can help me through the hard times and she can push me even harder on the good times. So it's been super nice to be able to share that moment with her and, and seeing her always at the field. She's my number one fan. Um, she's always there cheering for me. And it's just, it's nice to be able to follow her footsteps, but also make it my own, my own unique journey. Ah, fantastic. Uh, just on the national team, uh, twice they've been to the Olympics now. And to be fair, 2000 was their best year by far with their, with their results. Mm, a little sore for us a little bit. You beat New Zealand in that one 1-0. What I but pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. Um, if we look at the uh, national team honors now, Erica, when did you first make the national team, and and, and how did that come about? So in 2015, um, this was my the summer going into my second year in college. I was I, I would go to Italy every year with my parents, um, sometimes in the summer, sometimes throughout the year, but mainly in the summer. And I remember they were, my mom um, was very good friends with the head coach at the time. And I only had a couple of weeks left in Italy. And so I, she wanted me to just come to a practice and see what they were doing. And so I tried out, I practiced with them. And then I um, got called onto the, junior national team so I started with the junior national team 
played uh, one year with just the junior national team. And then in 2016, I want to say 2015, I, so in 2014, I'm sorry, in 2014, <laughs> I started with the junior national team. In 2015, I started with the senior team. Um, and then in 2015, that's when I just uh, stayed with the, with the national team and kept playing with them every summer. How was the jump from the junior team to, um, to the okay. national side? It was, it, it actually wasn't that drastic for me because a lot of the players from the junior team actually were in the national, the senior team as well. So I had already known a couple of the players. The level changes, obviously you're playing with um, older older women that know the game way more and that are way more intelligent on the field. Um, the level of play gets a lot better. At that time, it was a lot better. Um and so it's just a different world. Um, it was crazy. I was the youngest. I was one of the youngest ones um, in the national team at the time, and I was on the field with with um, one player in particular who also played with my mom. So uh, she was the captain wow. at the time. She um, she played with my mom. So being able to share the field with her as well and be able to experience that was also super cool. Fantastic. And so you must have been about 19 when you made the senior national team the first time. Yeah, the senior, yeah, I was 19, turning 19. Fantastic. Well, we take a step back now. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your university career. Erica, we'll start with you first. McNeese, as you mentioned, uh, you committed to after that tournament. What was it like, one, to be able to play for McNeese, and McNeese not being a large university either? Um. McNeese changed my, my whole life. Um, McNeese was probably the best four years that I've ever experienced with softball. Um, it was definitely a culture change for me because I went from California to Louisiana, so two completely different states, different people, different lifestyle. But it was it was like my second family. The moment I got there, the they have a very welcoming um just the fans of McNeese. They're very uh, loyal and they stay with you the whole time. And um, they softball was slowly growing at that university. So our fans were super, super fans. They were there at every practice, at every game, at every inner squad. And so it was nice to be able to, to see the same faces throughout my years at McNeese. And still to this day, even when I'm three, four years out, they still message me on Facebook. They're still following my journey. They're still cheering for me. So it just shows you how family-oriented McNeese was. And um, I changed so much as a not only as an athlete but also as a woman. And um, I can't thank McNeese enough because I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't attend McNeese. And, yes, it's a small school, but it was perfect for me because I think if I would have gone any bigger, I would have been overwhelmed um, and I probably wouldn't have been able to learn the things that I did learn and get the um, the one-on-one -on -one coaching that I did get. So I'm super blessed to be able to have gone to um, a school like McNeese. Erica, talking about big changes uh, that uh, McNeese has given you, one of the biggest changes in your softball side of things has got to be your batting technique. It's where things change for you there, right? Yeah. Um, if I actually don't really remember how I swung before the leg kick. <laughs> It's like, it's all blur to me, but my freshman year, my coach uh, was learning about this new hitting style, which was the leg kick. And he had grabbed five of us my freshman year. I was two freshmen and the rest were upperclassmen to learn this new technique. And it was very hard. We, we spent the whole fall learning it. Um, but because of 
the difficulty and timing and mechanics that the leg kick brings, not everybody was able to keep it. And so I, I was the only one my that year that kept the leg kick going. So um, I kept working on it because I noticed that it gave me a lot more power and the timing helped me a lot more than it did the other girls just because I was able to be consistent with it. But looking back every single year at college, my leg kick changed dramatically every single year. I always did something different. And every year, if I were to put a picture back to back of all my years of my leg kicks, it's all kind of like a mush of what I have now. So now it's like a little bit of everything is it's finally coming together and I feel very confident in it right now. Um, but it's such a unique um, hitting stance that I feel like every year is I'm going to change something. I'm going to, um, you have to adapt to the speed. You have to adapt to the pitching motion. And, um, it's very difficult, but I don't, I, I don't even know how to swing the bat now without it. So I guess, um, I kind of just have to keep adapting and then seeing where it takes me. Oh, well, Erica, we got a video here showing this uh, lead kick of yours, uh, which I, I got to say, to be fair, I mean, I've seen a, a maybe a couple of female players with a similar, but nothing is uh, exacerbated as yours. Let's have a look at it first, and then you can kind of tell us how it works for you. Erica Castelli also has that power. <laughs> this one was a no-doubter. Play the ball. Very big shot. And Italy with back-to-back -back home runs. They put themselves one run on top. They score now 5-4. Do not see that very often in softball. Back-to-back -back home runs. Uh, this one went very far over the scoreboard. Just too, up too high in the zone, not, not enough speed to, to get by her. Coach Connie Clark out there now, and again, she has to find the right words, keep her team in the game mentally. I'd tell you what, Damien, I don't know if they had stat track around uh, at the qualifiers in 2019, but uh, Erica, with that technique, that thing gets out of the yard in a hurry. See you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a lot of lower half, so I'm definitely using my lower half. Um, the timing aspect of it would be the the leg kick. So I start it as the pitcher starts her motion. So I find the I find the perfect time in the pitcher's motion to to start the leg kick, and then the moment my front foot touches the ground, that's when I just fire the backside, and um, when I hit it well, it goes pretty far. <laughs> I have one question of that. How, how do, sorry, Damien. I have one question. How do you adjust uh, to the varying speed of pitches? So whether she throws a heater or throws a change-up, how do you adjust for that with that type of technique? So that's the trickiest part of my leg kick is the, the change in speed. Um, and that's what I've been having to adjust every single year. So um, the leg kick is part of my timing, and it's, and it's how I – put all my weight into my back hip and I coil, but I also am learning to the moment my front foot hits the ground, I'm still able to keep the load on that backside and adjust to the speed. So, um, as long as my, my hands aren't leaking forwards and I'm not kind of lunging forward, then I'm in a good spot. Um, and I, sometimes it just, you just have to be able to either hold the leg kick longer, be a little bit quicker with it. It just goes off the speed. So um, my leg kick will never look the same throughout the game. It'll, it'll vary a lot. 
Nice, nice. Well, it looks pretty good to me, Damien. What do you think? Absolutely. Um, I know this is a podcast, this is all audio, but we do this online. And I just love when we play clips like that, the face of the people that hit those balls, like <laughs> massive cheesy smile there, mate. It's because that thing was like 100 metres <laughs> It was huge, though, huge. That was huge. Came back with a stamp. <laughs> very cool, very cool indeed. Um, Andrea, now let's have a look at your university uh, career, of course. Uh, you're still at university at New Mexico. Uh, how did that come about and, and, and why did you choose New Mexico? I know geographically it's really close to home. Yeah. Um, so when I was first looking at colleges, um, I, I was trying to find a college that I knew had a good program, uh, like as, as a graduate program. Um, so for me, I'm really interested in medicine. So I'm hoping that after my softball career, I can pursue a career in medicine. So I wanted to look at programs that had you know, that going for them too. Um, and the university of New Mexico has an incredible medical school and a, an incredible medical program. So, so, you know, of course, they're at the top of my list just because they're so close to home. Um, so when I was a junior in high school, I was in contact with the coach at the time because her father was my head coach for my club team. Nice. So we knew each other really well. Um, so I was able to get in contact with her and she was interested. So my junior year, I committed to them. Um, and then when I got to the university, our, our, the coach changed. So my freshman year, I had a brand new coach. Um, I didn't, I didn't know her, but I'm, I'm very thankful for her now. She's a, she's a great person, great coach. Um, and I remember it was the, the first summer I was with team Italy. So it was in 2017 that summer. Um, I texted her and I said, hi, I'm Andrea Howard. I'm, you know, I'm a freshman coming in. Um, I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm right. I'm, I'm, I'm in Italy right now. I'm playing right now. And she, she already knew all about me because of everything going on in yeah. Italy. So I was very thankful for that. Um, but yeah, I pretty much chose a program just because it was close to home, but, um, their academics are incredible. The, the softball program is incredible. They've, they've helped me grow as a person, as a player so much. And I'm just, I'm excited to, to hopefully continue my, my graduate programs there too. When we look at um, you know you're growing up and now at um, at university, who have been some of the influential people in your pathway or journey in softball? Yeah, um, I'm. I gotta say, you know, my dad and my brother for sure are the first ones who who got me into loving the sport. Um, my brother always played baseball, so I always you know got to watch the sport and and got to see how competitive he could get with it. Um, and then my dad just he wanted me to to be good at something. Um, so I, I started off as a pitcher when I was little, so I wasn't the best pitcher and I would walk people a lot. So my dad was my coach and he would always take me out. Um, but he, he was the one that, that, you know, just helped me be a better player. And every single day we, you know, we would hit, I don't even know how many balls, but he would help me with my swing. He would help me pitching. He would just, he would continuously help me every single day. Um, and I, I can't thank my dad enough for, for what he has done for me. Um, going into, you know, high school and college, I, I can't thank my college coach right now enough because I, it, for her, it, it must be difficult for me to, to play on two teams, especially when they're so far apart. I mean, if we're talking New Mexico and Italy, I mean, yeah. that's thousands of miles. So she, I mean, she has just been such a huge support in this process. And, and whenever I need to go to a tournament with Italy, whatever country I need to go to, she's always on board with that. Um, so she's just she's just been a huge support throughout this journey, and I, I can't thank her enough for that. 
Looking at um, your your playing stats uh, at New Mexico, uh, you're now going to go into your fifth year. You're getting an extra bonus year because of COVID, uh, obviously. But your stats seem to be climbing every year. And this last uh, season, you know, batting stats for the whole season are 336. You've got to be happy with that. I am, yeah. I'm I'm proud of that. Um, I think a, a huge motivational factor for me was, um, our, our late coach Enrico. Um, he's instilled in me just so much motivation and so much, you know, aggressiveness when I'm at the plate. So every single time, I mean, since he passed, I I thought about him before every single game. Um, and even now I I think about him and I think about what he always tells me and and just to be aggressive and, and hit the ball as hard as I can. So I was, I'm very thankful to, to have him, in my thoughts. <laughs> oh, that, that's a very special thing to say there, uh, Andrea. And, and now you mentioned that uh, for our viewers who, who may not know of um, something very tragically happened uh, with uh, with your head coach, didn't didn't he? Yeah. Um, so this year in February, our head coach, Enrico Bletter, he passed away um, unexpectedly from COVID in, I want to say, mid-late February. Um, it was actually right after a training camp. So we had re- we had previously um, seen him, and and then we never saw him again after that. So it was very tragic for us, still is right now. But um, it's definitely something that I think has brought us a lot closer as a team, and as a team also including our staff. Um, I feel like this is something that we're all going through together. Um, fortunately enough, our second coach, Federico Pizzolini, um, he was our second coach at the time. He is now our head coach. And so there hasn't really been too much of a change. We didn't have to bring in somebody new. We still have familiar faces. Um, so that's helped us a lot. Um, it's helped us keep, um, keep the same level, the same energy around the team. Um, we've had, we have somebody that we've known for so long so he knows us he knows how he can talk to us um he knows what to say when to say it um and it's just nice to be able to have him to go through this with um because he also is um going through this loss because Enrico is one of his very very good friends and so um we just all understand each other right now and I think that's helping us a lot with um getting past this and um, Enrico still to this day, whether he's here physically or not, he still pushes us every single day. Um, we still have, um, his words engraved in our brains and we, we know exactly what he would be saying right now in this moment. Um, and so we're, we just kind of go with it and we always keep him in our thoughts and we always play for him. Oh, that's really special ladies. And thank you, uh, for, for sharing that, obviously a big moment in, uh, in the campaign for, for team Italy. Uh, and going forward and, um, and and carrying him, I think, with the team is, is something very, very special. So Team Italy, one thing that strikes me with uh, with your team is, and we, we've heard the story about your head coach now, but your team seems like exactly that, a team. You seem so intertwined with each other, rely on each other, can change positions in the field to carry each other. Why is that? Um, we've always we've always had a very strong bond as a team. Um, our journey, this group of girls, our journey started in 2015, um, 2016, and um, we've been together ever since. 
constantly um, going to training camps, constantly going to tournaments. So we've known each other for such a long time that we also know each other on the field. We know um, how someone reacts. We know how, what someone needs at the time. And so I think that's brought us really close. Um, and then as the years go on and as the level gets um, higher and as our goals get bigger, uh, we all we all realize that we all have the same goals. We all have the same ambitions. And um, it's nice to be able to look um, to the girls standing next to each other and, and know that we are all working towards the same goal. No one here is working individually. Um, we're all here to, to get to the same goal and play for the, for the same type of people. And um, the cool thing about our team is that we're also very proud to be Italian. Um, we're very proud of where we come from. We're proud of who we stand for. Um, and so that's, I think, a very strong bond that not a lot of teams, not a lot of teams can experience. Um, and we still, we still carry that on to this day. Um, being on this team means that you're proud to be Italian. Being on this team means that you're representing something more than yourself. You're representing your family. You're representing um, the sport where you come from. The the younger girls. You're representing so much more. Um, and we actually call each other. Um, everyone calls us and knows us as sorelle. That's what we call each other. And sorelle means sister, um, sisters in Italian. And nice. so um, that's kind of like our, our group nickname is we're so close that we're sisters. And on the field, off the field, we're always together. We're always talking. Um, and I feel like we're going to have this bond way past the Olympics, way past anything. We're always going to be close. And we've been through a lot together, and, and that just makes us stronger. So I'm excited to see um, see our bond grow even more in these next couple of weeks. Fantastic. That's awesome, isn't it? I mean, all good teams in the world, that's all about that uh, sisterhood or brotherhood. Absolutely. It makes the difference, uh, especially when you're, you're backs against the wall. Talking about backs against the wall, Italy, Netherlands. Is that like <laughs> the ultimate European grudge match? or what, how, how does that fit in the, in the world softball psyche? They have always been our rivals. Um, you should see you. It's the energy that our team has when we play Holland is beyond. It's crazy. It's Holland is for us a championship game every single time. Every single it could be a scrimmage game, and we're facing it like it's the championship game. Like we have to win this. It's do or die. Um, but it's always been like that, and we've always had this rivalry. Um, even um, when my mom played, she had this rivalry with the, with the Netherlands. I don't think it was as strong as it is now. I feel like our rivalry just gets even stronger, especially after t 2019 um, when we qualified. Um, but it's just so much fun to play against them, and I think it's also because of the level of play that, that the um, Netherlands team has. They, they're at a high level as well, um, and so it's nice to be able to play against a team that's always pushing you and always um, trying to make you uncomfortable on the field, and every game going into it in the prior years, every game, every time we would play the Holland, uh, the Netherlands, no one really knew who was going to win. It was always a back and forth kind of thing. They would win, we would win. Always went back and forth. Um, in these last two or three years, Italy's come on top a lot of times, so I'm very proud of that. But it's, it's just fun. It's a fun game, and we're always competing and always trying to um, – to outscore them and, and outplay them every time we do some great plays we always get excited um and it's just a fun fun game and i think all our fans can agree that holland and um italy is is a very great match and they're always just sweating it out during the game <laughs> is that the rivalry or is there a bigger one that's the i mean in softball that i want to say that's the rivalry yeah, yeah. 
Would you, would you say, Andrea, that um, that rivalry is just mutual respect for each other's national program, that you can get to that level, but you're just hammering tongs each other. A lot of the matches I've seen between you two, the lead changes within the game. One of you wins at the end, and you guys have pipped up the last couple, but boy, oh boy, it is so close. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think, you know, off the field, well, both on and off the field, I think that we have tremendous respect for, for one another. Um, but, you know, when we're both on the field, it's it's going to be competitive and it's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, I think the last couple of games, I remember it. So the championship game of Europeans this year, um, they were up three, zero, three, zero in the first inning. Um, but it was pretty similar to what happened when we played them in the, in the Olympic qualifiers. I think they were up four, zero in, you know, one of the early innings. Um, and then, you know, it, it's just a battle throughout the game. So, so, throughout the game somebody's going to be scoring and and thankfully for us i mean we we always ended up on top um but it, it's always going to be a fun game to watch and and blue versus orange is it's just the game to to be at that's good <laughs> oh, fantastic in that olympic qualifier 2019 we didn't know that we we're going to get a couple of years break before the olympics but it almost seems like a lifetime ago uh that that tournament but um, to be fair, Great Britain were really good that tournament too, right? They had a very good side there. But the call, second to last match, call it a semi-final. It wasn't a semi-final because it was a round-robin thing. But that game against the Netherlands, that's the one where we just showed that clip of you hitting that home run, Erica. That was the big one to get over, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That was kind of the game that was going to set the whole mood for the rest of the tournament. Um, I think everybody knew that that game was the championship game. Um, it's just something about the energy that's on that field and, and the two teams and the respect that everybody has for this, those two teams. Great Britain had a great tournament as well. Um, they, they were going four and into the, so pretty much we were tied for the last game. So yeah. they played a great tournament. They also beat Holland, but I don't know what it is. Just when Italy and Holland are playing and great Britain beat Holland the night, the night before, but it wasn't that big of a deal, I guess. Um, that they won that until we came and, and beat them as well. So it's just something about that rivalry and um, the respect that we have for each other. Great Britain, obviously, they had a great, great going at it as well. Um, it was a fun game. That was a fun game. But I don't think energy-wise it was anything compared to um, Holland and, and Italy. Ah, fantastic. We have a similar rivalry down here at Down Under with Australia being our neighbouring country, uh, same type of thing. And, of course, USA, Canada, they are battling against each other forever as well. So it's always great to see that. If we go to that championship match, the reason why you're sitting in Tokyo, you're taking on Great Britain. As you said, you both go into the match 4-0. The winner of that game gets that ticket to Tokyo. What was the pressure like going into the match? Like I said, I think we felt more pressure than the day before. Um, <laughs> we went into that game against Great Britain um, with very high energies and very like a lot of confidence. Um, I think the whole tournament, um, we we kept growing every single game. Every single game we kept making improvements. Um, and then we played Holland, which we had a very – outstanding game offensively which was huge for us and I think we used that um to kind of motivate us more towards the uh, Great Britain game because once we played Great Britain um, I think we all just were so focused that we just saw the ball extremely well and we just kept going at it and we kept um 
challenging the pitcher for Great Britain, and we just did what we know what we knew how to do best at that tournament, which was hit and move our runners and score. And so um, our pitchers did a great game. Our pitchers pitched probably their best weekend, the best week of of games they did is during the qualifiers and and the European Championship. Um, and so that, you know, when you have good pitching, it's easier to hit. Um, and that's talk, me talking as a hitter. Um, when I know that our pitchers are doing their jobs and, and they're working hard for the team, it's you go into the hitter and the, into the batter's box with, with less less pressure, um, and you go in there more relaxed, and you can see the ball a lot better just because you're not forcing it. And so I think that's just what we had the whole tournament is we had trust in each other to do our jobs and. The pitchers smoked their jobs. They did everything really, really well. So it made us offensively way more relaxed and, and be able to have more fun out there. Well, we've got a clip here, ladies, uh, of that last out taken in 2019 against Great Britain and booking your ticket to Tokyo and also a touching moment with your past head coach. Right there at the end, care of you, Erica. moment you are one pitch, one strike, one out away from that dream. And there it is, the swing is there, Amy Morris, the third out and the last out of this tournament. Italy is going to Tokyo next year, to the Olympics. What a performance by Greta Cicchetti. Wow, wow, wow. And the whole Italian team, Italy has won this tournament. They've beaten Great Britain in this final. They've beaten the Netherlands. They've beaten everyone else with a 5 to nothing record. A great performance by this Italian team. Obletter, Enrico, Walter, Obletter must be very, very proud and very content with this fantastic win and strikeout to end it off with. Exactly how it should be for Greta Cicchetti. And fantastically done. We are going to the official ceremony. Once the names of congratulations so to Italy the from here. The player Alessandra Rotondo, Fabrizia Marone, Ilaria Cassiamani, Amanda Lipama, Giulia Longi. Elisa Cicchetti, Alice Nicolini, Greta Cicchetti, Marta Casparotto, Erika Piancastelli, Laura Figni, Andrea Howard, Beatrice Ricci, Lisa Anbirocci. And one from the softball Asia Oceania qualifier. Gatorade to be played in Canada in August. Over and in Shanghai. In September, obviously. So we have six teams in the Olympics, <laughs> and one of those teams up, is he here. Please give it up again for the national team of Italy. Wow! Wow, well, ladies, to see that again from 2019, uh, the emotion that was pouring out of you, right through to the celebration, and uh, and of course, uh, what you did to your former head coach at the end there. How does that make you feel? How did you feel at the time? Every time I watch that video, it feels like it was just yesterday. Um, I feel every single emotion, every single time I get goosebumps. Um, I don't think I'll ever feel any different every time I watch this video. I'm always going to feel like we just we just did that. Um, and then seeing Enrico just 
it, it just puts a big smile on my face and it makes me really happy because you know that's who he was right in that video right there like the, he got excited about everything that we did um he was always our biggest our biggest supporter our biggest fan and he pushed you and pushed you because he knew that you could get to where where we got um he knew that you could become a great athlete um and he just pushed you until you got there and so seeing that um just puts a big smile on my face because i know that um he's he's looking down on us right now and he's giving us that big hug and he's smiling that big and after we won the european championship i felt him um there just like that um hugging us just like that and being excited for us and so um it's it's very beautiful to see and i'm i'm very happy we got to have that moment with him oh fantastic fantastic i mean the emotion that was pouring out of the team you mentioned this group of ladies have been together basically since 2015 to finally climb that mountain to get that elusive ticket to tokyo what was the outpouring of emotion like there is a lot of emotions i feel like we um i know it didn't hit me it didn't hit me until a couple months after the tournament, actually. Um, I remember I, I had to do a couple of interviews after, and they kept saying, like, you know, you qualified for the Olympics, you qualified for the Olympics, but it didn't seem real to me yet um, until, I want to say, until 2020 hit, until it was the year of the Olympics. That's when I kind of started to, like, let it sink in. Um, but it's just a lot of emotions just because, you know, we know the hard work that we put into it. And softball in Italy isn't that big of a sport. And so for us, it's, we've kind of been on our own this whole journey. You know, we've been playing for ourselves and um, we've had to push each other. We didn't have a lot of fans. We didn't have a lot of people that pushed us or, or believed in us, really. And so all we had was the, our girls and our staff. And Enrico was our biggest one. And um, he believed in us no matter what, no matter what people said, no matter what um, commentators said, no matter what um, reporters said, that he knew that we were going to make it to the Olympics and, and he knew what we had. And um, so I think just being able to see that we did that and we did that with him and just a lot of emotion that I still probably can't even explain to you right now um, just because I still can't really put into words our journey and, and everything that we've been through. Fantastic, ladies. That's just simply amazing to share. I know you've had some other warm-up matches and things in camps uh, since February, um, but just recently, obviously, you got to face Holland again and the latest edition of the European Championships. This time it was hosted in Italy. Uh, how was the team going into that competition? Well... I'm going to let Andrea speak to this one because she was the star player. Yeah, she was. <laughs> um, she had an amazing game against Holland, so I'm going to have her speak. <laughs> okay, so when we when we were first coming in, um, we had a, about a week of preparation before the tournament started. Um, so that's when, you know, all the girls came in and, you know, we started our COVID protocols. We started being in a bubble, things like that started happening. Um, and we were able to get, you know, well prepared before going into the games. Um, we were able to scrimmage uh, the Netherlands before, um, and and that had a little bit of a different turnout for us. Um, we we didn't win our little scrimmage, um, but you know it was it was the first game that we played together back in Italy when we when we joined. I think it was day two of our little um, training camp before the European Championship. Um, so that one didn't go well for us, but you know, throughout the, the, the training camp, we were able to play more games against, um, like an Italian all-star team. Um, 
you know, and, and, and they gave us competitive games and, and we were able to, to, you know, just get better and, and start to mesh a little bit more together before the, the tournament. Um, and then when the tournament started, we were, we were ready to go pretty much. Um, you know, our, our, our sticks came out hot right away and, and we were, we were just excited to be back on the field again together and, and to be, you know, in our home country. I thought that was very special for us to, to be back home, you know, after so many months of, you know, lockdowns and things like that, just to, to be back playing together in Italy was, was very special for us. And, and we came out hot. We were very excited. <laughs> Andrea, um, er, sorry, Erica, you touched that Andrea had an outstanding tournament. We're going to show a little video of, of a bit of your uh, university hitting here in a second, uh, Andrea. But, you know, your team outscored the opposition in the Euros this year a whopping 125 runs for and only six runs against. I mean, the four the, the four is phenomenal to score that amount of runs, but to give up so little, you've got to be happy with that. Oh, definitely. I mean, both sides of the ball were, were working well for us. Our pitchers did an incredible job. I mean, every single one of them just just came in, did exactly what they needed to do, and and we got out of the games as you know as fast as we could with with as many <laughs> runs as we could. I mean, both sides of the ball were just doing incredible jobs. Well, we're going to have a look at that video here because, Andrea, you hit just a simple 545 <laughs> for the tournament. 18 hit six home runs. Uh, let's have a look at your form here. Howard swings and she skies it out to deep right field. Back is Sesney, and this one's gone. Two-run yeah. home run for Andrea Howard, her sixth home run during her freshman campaign, and it's 3-0 Lobos. Lobos are going after it, really being aggressive, going after the ball. Well, that shows uh, the power in your bat, and that was a freshman year, so a couple of years back now. Um, but what was it that really clicked for you, Andrea, going into uh, the Europeans to hit like that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it, in my mind, I was just trying to keep it as simple as possible when I was up at the plate. Um, and, and, you know, for me, I was just trying to find good pitches to hit, no matter, you know, if they were outside, inside, whatever I thought looked good, I was going to go for it. And I was going to be as aggressive as possible. Um, thankfully, it, you know, it went my way that tournament. Um, and I hope to, to carry that on throughout the Olympics. But I, you know, my main goal right now is just to keep it as simple as possible and, and keep the pressure low for everybody. I guess one of the benefits of playing uh, Holland in that title match is it gives you good competition before coming to uh, to Tokyo. But if we talk about that final just a bit, you went three from four, you had a solo home run in the first innings, and then you added a two-run shot in the bottom of the fourth, which pretty much proved the difference in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm just thankful for, for my teammates to, to get on base and and <laughs> just to, to hit the ball hard. <laughs> She's being humble. Yeah, we always get the humble PC response. Just, I just want someone to say, yeah, I own that. <laughs> but yeah, the humble response is good as well. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Okay, so you, you did have some warm-up matches over in Florida before that uh, as well. How was that going into camp over in Florida? Um, so our training in Florida was the first time that our team got to play a game since during quarantine, I think. It, it had been a very yeah, long um, time. 
um, since we had a, a decent training camp where we got to play another team. Um, so we went into Florida. We didn't really have too many expectations. We kind of just really wanted to use that time to get back into the swing of things, finally play together, and and also transition from not having Enrico there. So that was the first time we got to play without him. Um, and I think that's exactly what we did. You know, we were a little rusty because, like I said, we never played. But I think it went exactly how it was supposed to go because we really needed – um, we needed the, the games and the results of those games to realize where we were, what we needed to work on, and how things were going to be from here on out without Enrico. Um, and that's exactly what that, what that um, training camp did for us. And it was a huge experience. I think it helped us a lot because we got to play high-level softball, and we also got to play teams that we're going to see in the next couple of days. And it's going to be um, some very high-level softball and um, I'm excited that we were able to see them and to see where we were um, and then put in that work that we have been putting in to get to where we are today. Fantastic. Fast forward now, landed in Japan about a week ago and you've managed to play about five or so matches. What have they been like? And, and, and tell us a little bit about the climate. You mentioned earlier that it was hot. What has it been like to play in the weather that you're going to face over the next week or so? Um, fortunately enough, we actually were in Japan in 2018 for the world championships and that was our first time in Japan. So I think that was more of a shock for us than it is this time. Cause I feel like we came into this prepared. We were prepared for the humidity. We knew what we were, um, what was to be expected. Um, but in 2018, that's, that was really hard to get adjusted to. Um, but like I was saying early, earlier, it's hot here. It's in the thirties constantly throughout the whole entire day and then the humidity is what gets you it's um above 90 percent every day so the sun isn't as hot but it's just it feels like you're in an oven constantly um it's hard to breathe it's um you have to stay hydrated and you yeah. have to be um we wear a lot of those wet towels on our necks and our heads just to stay cool drink a lot of water and um try to stay in the shade as much as possible. But it actually, personally, it hasn't been as bad. I just remember 2018 horribly. Um, <laughs> Weather-wise, I was not adjusting. And so I feel like I'm handling it a lot better this year. I feel like we all are as a team. Um, but, yeah, our first game's at noon. It's at 12 p.m., so yeah. it's right <laughs> in the center of the hottest part of the day. So, um, you know, we got to just play and do what we know how to do. Thankfully, we've had these five games. We've been playing at a later time. We've been playing at 4 p.m. every day. Um, but I guarantee 12 and 4 does not change. It's still hot no matter what. So um, we've been taking our precautions. We've been drinking a lot of water. We've been um, eating a lot of fruit, um, staying hydrated, and just making sure that we um, stay in the shade and, and try to stay cool as much as possible. And do quick innings. So one, two, three, and we get back in there. That's, that's what I'm saying. Three down. Double play is good. Double play is good. Um, <laughs> and play, you see the whole team go crazy because we know that we're getting one step closer to getting back in the dugout. <laughs> Andrea, um, uh, playing in this COVID era, what are some of the uh, COVID um, precautions that you're having to take, and does it impact the way you get ready for softball or actually play the game of softball at the moment? Um, okay, so when since we've – you know, arrived in Japan, um, you know, we had an extensive 
check when we got to the airport. Um, you know, COVID tests, we had to make sure we had COVID tests. They had to make sure um, we have two apps that we have to have while in Japan. Um, one of them, you kind of have to register like your, your, your daily symptoms, your temperature, things like that. And then another one, um, you have to keep your location on at all times. And they, they kind of track where you are so that, you know, you're not in places that you're, you're not supposed to be. Um, so for us, it, it, we have to stay in our bubble and, and they know whether or not we're staying in our bubble because of our phones. Um, every morning we do a saliva COVID test. Um, and then pretty much we, we can't have any contact with anybody outside of our bubble. Um, so whenever we go to the bus, we, we have like little, it, they're, the people here are so nice. We yeah. have like little escort right to the bus. So, you know, nobody can come in contact with us. None of that. I mean, if you, if you, if you see somebody, you can, you know, wave, but you know, you have to keep socially distanced. Um, in terms of playing games, we, we were fortunate enough for our last game to have fans, which it was totally new for us just because, especially in Japan, I mean, yeah. the COVID cases are high right now. So, so things are a little bit stricter here, but we were able to see some fans our last game. Um, of course we couldn't go near them. You know, we had to say hello from a distance and things like that. Um, but other than that, I mean, getting ready for games, I, I feel like we, we have been doing the same thing. Um, you know, because really all we need is each other when it comes to getting prepared for games and, and start to play. Um, so none of that has changed. It's just kind of like the atmosphere around us that has changed. But but really, we're the ones that bring the energy to the field every day. So so in terms of playing, nothing has really changed. Uh, fantastic. What about wearing masks? Is there a requirement for a certain times of the day or coming to the field or warms up? What is that around wearing a mask, uh, for, especially in that heat? Yeah. So in terms of masks, I mean, you're okay when you're in your rooms, obviously. Um, but whenever you go out of the hotel room, whenever you're, um, you know, kind of in the eating area, if you're not actively eating or drinking, they ask you to keep your mask on. Yeah. Um, whenever you're on the bus, keep your mask on. Whenever you're in public, you have to have your mask on. Um, in terms of playing, you can have your mask off when you're on the field. Um, but when you're in the dugout, you have to have your mask on. So, so masks are really important here. Um, so we're trying to follow that as, as much as we can, especially in this, this hot heat. Sometimes we're, we're trying to cheat, you know, yeah. we kind of keep it off base, but, but you know, we're doing our best. So. <laughs> yeah, that must be, that must be difficult. I mean, I can only imagine, uh, and that intense heat with, especially if you're looking to recover while you're in the dugout, yeah. uh, from being yeah, out of well, it. Especially because you're sweating so much. Yeah. Yeah. So when what then your mask gets wet and then when you're trying to breathe in sometimes like you suck in your mask and, and you're, you're like <laughs> you're talking to the two sweatiest people on the team yeah. <laughs> super fit see me and andrea just like constantly like kind of going like this with our mask <laughs> we're trying <laughs> like drinking water just so we can take the mask off just saying oh we're drinking water um it's yeah it's it's hard but i we also can't complain just because if it were, if it wasn't for the mass, if it wasn't for these protocols, we wouldn't even be having an Olympics right now. So True. it's kind of like, yeah, tell us what we have to do. We'll do it. Um, and we just kind of get through it. Nice. Exactly. Well, seeing as you've thrown it out there, Erica, about uh, you two being the most sweetiest in the team, <laughs> let's throw the team <laughs> under the bus here a little bit. Who's got the best playlist on their phone? Oh, we have, we have three. Three players. Um, so we sit in the same spots everywhere we go on the bus. It's always the same seats. And in the back, we have a row of three um, and then two players in front of them. And it's kind of like the whole back group. 
um, they're in charge of the aux. They're in charge of the playlist. Every day it's different, different playlists, different generations, 90s, 80s, um, 2000s. Um, and then we always listen to the same two songs right before we get to the field. So we have a, a lot of routines um, and a lot of things that we have to check off every single day before the game. Nice. What's the go-to two songs? So the first song is All We Do Is Win. Nice. I don't know <laughs> All DJ we do is Khaled. win. Is that's the one that gets the whole team. We have to put our hands up. We yeah. have to sing to it. Um, and then when we get to the field, when the bus stops, we have another song that um, it's a French name. I can't even – we're looking it up right now. I can't even think <laughs> of the name. But it's a song that we got in 2018 at Worlds in Japan. One of the players found this song. And ever since we danced to this song, it's called Be My Lover – by something with a B. Yeah. It's called Be My Lover, and it's very, like, techno um, 80s style. Oh, um, yeah. We have, like, our own dance to it. So we everyone has their little, like, section to dance to. Um, and ever since we heard it in 2018. By La Bouche. La Bouche, yeah. La Bouche. Every, every time we've... Um, We've heard it since 2018. We've been that's been our go-to. Um, it's a song that kind of just like calms us down, but gives us enough energy to to get our pregame going. Nice, nice. Okay, uh, while we're on the theme of the team, who's who's the one player, especially that's always going to crack you up? Might be in a team meeting, say something stupid, or what? Who's that one go-to sister? Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of goofballs on the team, but. Um, I think Beatrice Ricci, she's one of the outfielders. She's the one that will always crack a joke, no matter what. It could be silent. <laughs> it could also be, like, not the right time. <laughs> and she'll always say something to just crack a joke. Or she'll, she'll, she's the one that remembers everything. So she remembers a lot of, like, past memories and past events and um Maybe some things that happened in the past that are just really funny, and she'll just bring them up all the time and, and just try to make you laugh. So she's probably the, the goofiest one. Nice. Well, we're going on goofy then. I need two people here. Who's got the best dance move and who's got the <laughs> worst dance move on the team? Oh, okay, Andrea's our best dancer. Nice. <laughs> He's our best dancer. And it's funny because she – Gets a, she gets so along with our worst dancer. <laughs> I wouldn't say worst dancer, but the one that probably has less rhythm. Um, they dance together a lot, and I think it's the funniest. <laughs> Emily Carasoni. Oh. Um, yeah, Emily Carasoni. She'll admit it too if you ask her. She does not dance, but she's but awesome. she tries. Yeah, she tries, that's and the that's best what makes part. It cool. Is like she knows she doesn't know how to dance, but she'll still <laughs> dance and. She does not care. Oh, <laughs> add her, add Emily Carasoni to the goofiest person on the team as well because she has, you know, that dry humor that yeah. just kind of like just makes you laugh, but it's like just, it's not like you have to like pay attention to what she says in order to, to like laugh. She's quick, <laughs> so quick. She's very witty. Fantastic. That's good. That's real good. Okay. Best, room, best roomie. Worst roomie. Best worst roomie. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think I've ever had a worst roomie. Yeah. I, we kind of always have this. I mean, I've always had the same roommate. It's Marta. Marta Gasparotto is my roommate. Um, it's always me and her. Always. Any tournament, I'm always her roommate. So I'm not, I can't complain. She's the best roommate. 
Nice. My current roommate is uh, Julia Longi, and she's, in my opinion, she's the best. But nice. Any traditions for you to like in your room or day between for the game, like laying out your uniform or anything like that that you guys do in the hotel? I have to always braid my hair the same way. So I have my three braids up here and then the three ponytail braids um, always every game. Why? But other than that, sometimes with my food, if if I have like for Europeans, I always ate waffles. <laughs> um, so once something works, I don't stop. If If that works for the first day and I play well and the team plays well and we win, then I just continue it throughout the whole tournament. Three braids, um, three waffles, it's locked. Three ponies house. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Andre? Any any any, any um, traits or superstitions in the game for you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Superstitions get like a little too much for me. Um, <laughs> one, one in terms of like how I dress myself for games, I always have to put my left sock on first. No, another <laughs> left first. Yeah, I don't know. And then whenever I eat food, like before a game or in general, I have to eat my vegetables first and then my protein and then my carbs. Save the best to last. That's it. But like Erika, I I eat the same thing every day, but then if something goes wrong the day before, like if I don't play well or if we lose or something, I, I give myself the opportunity to change something that I ate. So I'm like, okay, maybe it was, you know, this <laughs> that didn't do the trick for us. So let me try something. Like you can change Very it a little bit. But yeah. As a team, we have to play hockey sack before yeah. every game. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Is this in the warm up? It's before anything. The moment we get into the field, we could be late. <laughs> we could be <laughs> rushing everything, but we have to get a round of hockey sack. Yeah. Our coach knows it too. Who is the best footwork? Yeah. Hard. Emily Carasani. Yeah. Like I said, Emily's in every category. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That, that, is, that is awesome. Well, if we fast forward uh, to the tournament, we're not far away, only a couple of days to go, of course, um, Japan, Mexico, Canada, who you played in Florida uh, a few months ago uh, and warm up, and Australia. We'll leave USA out of it because it's your first game. What's your thoughts about those countries going into the tournament? Um, you know, we get this question a lot, but I I always want to say that every team here is at such a high level that there isn't even, for me, there isn't even a team right now that stands out more than anybody because I know that every game that we play, we have to play like a championship game. Every single game, it's the do or die. We have to play all out. Um, and so... I can't even really pick a team right now that um, would maybe put us in uh, a more difficult situation or is better at pitching or is better at hitting just because, like, the level here at the Olympics is extremely high. All these teams we've faced before, but it doesn't matter how many times you face a team, the moment you get to the Olympics, it's a, it's a completely different level of game. Um, and so I can't – I don't even know what to expect until we start playing – um, it's definitely going to be fun, though. It's going to be a very high-level softball. Well, we talked about you guys have played and oh, – sorry, 
Italy has played in two Olympics now, and I mentioned uh, Sydney was uh, when your mother was playing was their, their best result, fifth. To be fair, with all respect to those teams, this Italian team looks the strongest one out of all of the three campaigns. Yeah, uh, I've been told that a few times actually, and it's it's really um, it's really amazing to hear, just because it just it shows to you. Um, it shows us all the hard work that we've been putting in. Um, I think Enrico said this all the time. We have never been, um, this strong offensively than we are right now. We are, um, at a very good point offensively and it's pretty much all thanks to him because he's the one that pushed us really to, like Andrea said, to, to be aggressive and, um, to hunt the pitches that we want. But I think, Overall, as a team, in every category of our sport, um, we've grown so much. And this, um, actually, during Europeans, we actually got the help of, we were lucky to have the help of Mike Andrea, the Arizona coach, and uh, he's USA as well. And he's the GOAT of all coaches. He's the legend. He is my biggest idol as a coach. I've always looked up to him. And so being able to be right next to him, um, I was fangirling pretty hard the first couple of days, but he is such a genuine soul. And to know that he believed in us and he um, congratulated us for, for how far we've come. And just to hear those words come from him, who's he's coached the best softball in the whole world um, to be able to have his support and um, to be able to have him in our corner, I think is also um giving us that that boost and that um, that extra positivity um, into into this next adventure. Fantastic. Well, if we have a look at the schedule now, I, I mean, I'd save them to last. You've got USA first, and as you mentioned, it's a uh, lunchtime kick, uh, kickoff against uh, Team USA. You know USA so well, especially both of you playing um, in the uh, university um, set up in the States as well. How does Italy beat USA on day one? just doing what we do best. Um, like I said, we, uh, we have that unity that a lot of teams don't have. And I think, um, we just got to go in there, keep things simple and just have fun. Um, we're at our best when we're enjoying it. Um, and when we're playing all together and we, like I said, we've been through so much that I think we all, we're all, we've all gotten to a point where we trust everybody to do their role. And that's so huge for us because it just takes that extra pressure off your shoulders. Um, so we just go, we do what we know how to do, and the results will come. For those who may not have had a chance to watch Team Italy play softball, what should they expect to see on um, the 21st of, of July? Um, I think a lot of fire. I think yeah, that's that's a, a great word to describe our team. Um, we're very emotional. We're very passionate when we play. So I, I don't know if we're allowed to cheer or not because of COVID protocols. But you'll see it anymore. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. that rule's going to be broken either way. Um, yeah. So just, you know, watch out for that. But but definitely just, just expect a lot of energy and, and a lot of excitement from our dugout and when we're on the field. It's taken such a long time to get to Tokyo. You mentioned 2015, the campaign started. And if you look at the schedule there, we're looking at five matches before the bronze and the gold medal match. There's only five matches to get there. It's a quick time, you know, over that period. One game a day, so that's a good thing in preparation. How do you reset each day, no matter the result the day before, to just keep on pushing ahead? 
I think that's when you have to take it one day at a time. Um, I actually recently saw this quote and I um, just saw it on social media and it was this basketball player who's in the playoffs right now. And he said, um, you can't think about the past because it's what you used to do. You can't think about the future because it's not in your control, but you have to be in the moment and in the present moment to be able to play your best. Um, and he, he got way more into detail and he, um, he had a way better speech than what I'm saying right now, but Pretty close. Um, <laughs> the most important thing is we can't go into this tournament thinking about the bronze and the gold and the silver medal game. Um, and then we can't go into games thinking about the, the past games. Um, and so I think if we just take what every game, one day at a time, one game at a time and, and focus on that moment, that team and, um, and not even worrying about who we're playing. I don't, I don't think we need to get, um, emotional about the team that's on the other side. I think we need to stick, stay true to ourselves and, and stare at our name across our chest and, and, and know that that's who we're playing for. Um, and just keep it simple. I think that we really have nothing to lose in this tournament. Um, we really just, all we have is to gain and, and all we have is to prove a lot of people wrong. And so um, just play our best and, and show everybody who we really are. Outside of you two hitting bombs, which is what we're expecting to see. I'm not going to put that pressure on you. No pressure. And without you giving away too much to the opposition, what's a sneaky move that Team Italy may pull out offensively against the others? <laughs> like they're going to tell us. Watch to find out. I was going to say, when is the bearing? <laughs> nice. Will it, will it be a squeeze play, double steal? We'll find out. Uh, I guess you'll have to tune in. <laughs> make sure to make sure to, to watch every single game. We will try, promise. We will we'll be watching for <laughs> sure. The time different, even if it's now. I know it's like what is it, two a.m. Uh, 20, 20 minutes. It will be two a.m. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no Gosh. problem. No Commitment problem. to the podcast. You guys are worth it. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, ladies, we've got one more segment here, uh, and it is uh, where we pick a Beyond the Dugout All World Women's Selection. I get Damien to pop up on the screen for you. Um, the latest one. If oh, you the, find it. the yeah, code. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and I've got it here in front of me, so I remember who who it is. So each guest that comes on gets to pick. One, you get to be the coach now. Uh, gets to pick one player for this all world team, uh, and uh, and we have so far a few positions taken. Um, we have Monica Abbott on the hill. She's got that position. Uh, the relief pitcher, as you can see, is uh, Yukike Ueno. Oh, uh, Lisa Fernandez was picked at third base. Stacy Porter. She is a designated player, the ah. Australian. Sorry, guys. And at centre field is Laura Berg. So what's left is first base, second base, shortstop, left field, and right field. You get to pick one player each. Who would you like Wait, to nominate? Is there no catcher? Oh, a catcher. Sorry, my apologies. Yes. Can I can I nominate a catcher? Yeah. Sure can. Wait, can I pick a current player? Yeah, you, you can pick. Person. You can pick Whoever current. You, want. you can pick past. You can pick any country. You can pick whatever you like. You're the coach. I pick Erica Biancastelli <laughs> for catcher. <laughs> <laughs> nice, very good, very good. All right, fantastic. There's a nomination there, Erica. What would you like to pick? Okay. Well, how how biased can I be? Yeah, just be the first person to pick yourself. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I wanted to pick another teammate of mine as an outfielder. 
let's put Howard on there as the youngest player <laughs> in this little lineup we have going on. <laughs> okay, you got left field or right field? Bit of favoritism here. I'm I'm feeling. <laughs> right, let's do left field because that's where she's playing right now. Gotcha. Right too. But. All right, fantastic. Well, that's two real good <laughs> nominations. Both left and right. <laughs> yeah. Where to keep it in the room, by the way. Uh, okay. All right. Now here's the kicker. Dun, dun. Each podcast gets to pick one person. So you've nominated each other here. Um, you get to pick one of you gets to get the selection here on the Beyond the Dugger All Worlds team. I call it. I call dibs. <laughs> Eddie got. I pick Eddie got. <laughs> there, Eddie got. There you go, well, there you go ladies and gentlemen. Officially nominated at catcher for the Beyond the Bugger World Selection. Eddie Oh, fantastic. Always wanted to use that button at the right time. There you go, you found it. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, great. Congratulations, ladies. Look, I thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Only a couple of days away from uh, opening up against uh, Team USA. We wish you the best of luck. Is there any last thing you'd like to say to your family or whanau or friends or fans back in Italy or the USA? Well, first, I want to thank you two um, for for staying up extremely late <laughs> to be able to do this podcast oh um, and just being able to get our story out there. And and I love what you guys are doing. I love the interviews you guys are doing and um, just putting stop on the map. And I know that um, especially during this hard time, a lot of people have been getting into podcasts and, and listening to these. So I'm very thankful that you guys um, are involved and in, in getting all these stories out there and, and just talking about this amazing sport. Um and for everybody else, I, all I have to say is uh, Forza Azzurre, and um, let's go. I'm excited. I'm excited to play. Let's go. Nice. Andrea, any last moments for you? Yeah, of, of course. Thank you for, for you too for, you know, like Erika said, just, just putting our story out there and, and, you know, sharing the growth of softball in Italy especially. Um, but – for everybody else, just thank you so much for the support that you you've been giving us over the years. Um, thank you to my family and friends. Thank you to my teammates all around the world. I'm just we're so thankful to have all of your support throughout this journey. And thank you to the Sendai community because yes. they've been really great out here, and I can't thank them enough. And I, I don't even know if they'll be listening to this, but they are truly. If you ever need to go visit a place in Japan, it's Sendai, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I get that, Damien. Like all those, all the other teams have gone to different cities to be hosted by a city, and yeah. they just fall in love with you, don't they? It's incredible, an incredible experience. Oh my gosh, the host, the host. I don't, I don't even know what to call the host moms. I want to call them. Um, <laughs> they're, just, they're so sweet, and they'll, they'll get you anything you need. I mean, the chefs here, the workers, everybody. Oh yeah, our laundry. Oh my gosh, it's just been incredible. <laughs> it was it's it's the, little you, the little things you don't expect. They always just do at hundred percent. Is it the same community you stayed with in two thousand and eighteen? No, in two thousand eighteen, we were with um, we were in Ichikawa City. Oh, I gotcha. Same hospitality, same amazing people. They still follow us right now. Actually, a couple of them came to watch our scrimmage games um, all the way from Ichikawa. So they're just amazing people, and we're definitely always going to be in touch with them, and and they just made us feel more at home than we ever expected. 
Oh, well, fantastic. And again, thank you very much, ladies, for taking the time. We wish you the best of luck uh, for the Olympics. You've worked so hard. You have good history in your team. You have a great connection with amongst each other and, of course, a connection to your former coach. It could only be a storybook ending if you can get onto the podium, and we can't wait to hopefully see you there. 21st of July, be your first game against uh, Team USA. It is Azure, Team Italy, all the way from uh, Japan here on Beyond the Dugout. Andrea Howard, looking for her to smash the ball like she did in the Europeans. And Erica Pian Castelli, leading. From the front, the captain. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Damien, how good were those two ladies? That was really fun. There was, um, I was, I was a little bit worried when you when you said we had a couple of Italian ladies coming onto the show. I mean, I got the got the language arts and try to get the basics, but when when you find out that the American Italians, happy days. They were awesome. <laughs> Very well spoken. But but I mean, I didn't even get, didn't even um, take time to talk about um, Erica's exploits with um, athletes unlimited. Exactly. She's been roping it in there as well. I didn't didn't want to embarrass her with her university uh, accolades, but she has won something like 19, mm. holds 19 records at McNeese uh, University. They've even retired her number. That's how big she was at the university. Yeah, no, um, when I was looking at the details th- th- today, it was just a, a, a what's what of, of stats and what she's won and what she's done. And um, yeah, there's a couple of things we didn't talk about. If you want to talk about numbers retiring, um, we, did we even mention her, her mother wore 20? She wore 20? 20 years after? Like, there's so so many big things there. Yeah, 20. You're right. 20 is a big number for Erica, isn't it? It's her number, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she wrote that down for us, wasn't it? That mm. she's born on the 20th, as you mentioned. Yes. Both the mother and herself wear the number 20, and it'll be 20 years since her mother represented Italy at the Olympics. Yeah, and she was saying off camera that she's still stoked that they haven't changed the logo. It still says Tokyo 2020, so yeah. it's a big thing for her, yeah. yeah 20 yeah. years after mum. Wow. You know, um, getting that insight, you know, having someone to go to that's been, been there, done that, but your mum, <laughs> pretty awesome. It is. Um, mate, Coach Obleta passing away earlier this year. Boy, mm. what a what a galvanising mm. uh, moment in that team's history yeah. of their campaign. Yeah, I mean, um, losing anybody's pretty intense, isn't it? Um, but a coach... Um, you know, coaches are like second fathers. They're like uh, the uncle you never had. They are really that mentor, the the, the adopted family member in some aspects. And um, you know, they talk about their sisterhood. They talk about um, that they are are a team. You know, um, so yeah, devastating loss. But um, you know, they they've all got them him with them. Uh, she, they said that they said that with emotion, and um, yeah, they'll be they'll be going into this tournament uh, and, into the Olympics, doing it for them. Yeah, Coach Enrico was a larger in life character for sure, and very fondly uh, remembered across the international softball yeah. world, and and will be these Olympics for sure, very very special for Azzurri Team Italy in this one. Mate, that um, Erica's swing. Yeah. The step, yeah. the turn, the power, 
Ouch. Yeah. Um, almost uh, almost got that kick like uh, Nox. Nah, a little bit better. Uh, that ball went, didn't it? So, oh. yeah, she gets all of it. And the fact that she keeps on changing it is never the same. That um, you know, And we hear that from all softballers um, and officials that we've had on this podcast, that it's the ever-evolving a game, eh? Just when you think you've got it mastered, there's something else to learn. And if you're willing to adapt with everything that you're doing, uh, that's why she's on top and that's why she's a cap. Yeah, well, it is indeed. And fantastic to have the girls along for this one. Of course, they're well into it now, a couple of days into the Olympics. Uh, wishing them well. Uh, the grand final bronze medal match and the gold medal match will be live on Sky on the 27th, uh, which is uh, Tuesday. And the good thing about all the schedule, they're all at reasonable times to watch. Yeah, exactly. No, we've mentioned that. So, yeah, no, it's going to be good. Uh, we won't have to stay up till 2 a.m. doing a, uh, watching a game like we do a podcast. But, hey, you know, well, we love this game. So, um, let's be honest, any time it's on, uh, we'd be there watching. Sure will be indeed. Well, you know what, Damien? Uh, that was a real pleasure to have Italy in the house uh, at Beyond the Dugout. Mm. And I think I remember that one for quite a while. Yeah, definitely. Two, two uh, special ladies and uh, really appreciate them coming on and having a laugh with us um, on this episode. They were indeed. Erica, Bianca Castelli and Andrea Howard, captain and first base. Well, she'll be probably playing at left field most of the time. Well, Howard, a fantastic job for Italy in their warm-up. And we wish them all the best uh, um, for the rest of the tournament there in Tokyo. And I'm sure they play with the spirit of Azuri. They will do well. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in for another episode here on Beyond Dugout. It's been our complete pleasure to bring it to you on behalf of Damien Collins and, of course, young Jacko kicked us off today. <laughs> uh, I'm Jacko. Jason Gubis, a.k.a. Chopper. Ka kite anu. See you. Beyond the dugout, lace them up and we run out Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out Picture on the mound like you don't wanna face this Hit it so hard, you be running round the bases Do it for your teammates, do it for the fam Do it for your city, true ballers understand You gotta work together, you gotta find a way Put your body on the line and make that play Beyond the dugout, lace them up and we run out Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out Picture on the mound like you don't wanna face this Hit it so hard, you be running round the bases Beyond the dugout Beyond the dugout. Beyond the dugout. Beyond the dugout.